great this morning, all those of you who managed to come in out of the rain. It's been a lovely summer, hasn't it? I think actually it's most of the England cricket fans are praying for rain this morning. That's why we got the rain. Uh, wouldn't be surprised. I tried. I, we, we were on holiday last week, and I did say to Matt, would he pray that it would stop raining? But his prayers weren't answered particularly well. So, uh, uh, but anyway, it's great to be here this morning with you. We're going to continue on with our series about being peacemakers. And uh, this is the third talk in the series. And remember that the underlying principles that we're looking at is that the mission of God is restoration of the whole of creation. So it's just everything God wants to bring back together in unity. Peace is the holistic repair of relationships. And peacemaking is moving towards conflict with tools to heal and transform. So God calls us this morning to be peacemakers. And he's giving us the tools and the strategies and the help to help us make a difference in our world. Because boy, does our world need some help. So here's what we're trying to do with you. So remember, in the first week, we, all, we looked at the idea that what we need to do is we had to see the need. Many of us go around with blinkers and we don't see what's actually deliberately there in front of us. Remember that we're following the, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. And uh, in, remember in the, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, first of all, the priest and the Levite both walked past the man who was lying there injured on the road. Uh, they didn't see it or didn't want to see what they saw, so they moved along. So we've got to see the need. In the second talk, Matt said last week about how we need to be immersed in the needs of the situations that we, do, we deal with. We can't just study them from a distance. And the Samaritan went to the man and he got involved in his situation. In the same way that Jesus didn't stay up in heaven and, and just look down on the earth and say, there, there. He got immersed in our situations. He got immersed in our needs. But now we're going to look at what our involvement will result in. Because we can all see that there are needs in the world and we can immerse ourselves in those needs. We can then study them. We could then pray about them. We could then call a committee about them. But what actually we need to do in some way is to actually get involved with those needs. And we're going to call this stage contending. And the final stage next week we're looking about how restoration takes part. So how do we contend for people, for situations? How do we actually get involved? Well, the first thing we have to realize, of course, is that it's no good us just coming to a situation and saying, we've got all the answers, just listen to us, and it will all be all right. That doesn't cut. And that's the whole reason why, in one sense, Jesus came down and he lived on the earth, a part of us, part of our humanity, so that he could show that he understands it's no good us thinking that we know what the answer for somebody else is until we've really lived with them, until we've become part of their situation, until we absolutely know what it feels like from their position. So contending doesn't mean going in all guns blazing. Otherwise, we'll make significant mistakes. 
Just been reading a book by a guy called Brother Andrew. You might, uh, uh, some of you have been Christians as long as my, I have. Brother Andrew was one of the heroes of the faith when I was uh, a young Christian uh, a few years ago. Uh, and uh, he, he went all across Eastern Europe behind the Iron Curtain uh, distributing Bibles, uh, contraband Bibles. They weren't allowed to go in there. And amazing miracles used to happen to enable him to go through all those places. Well, of course, in the end, he became so well known that even God protection of the border guards uh, wasn't working anymore because they were on the lookout for him. And so he changed his uh, uh, perspective for another, and he spent a lot of time working in the Middle East. You see, we're talking about 20 or 30 years ago now, but, but it's a really fasc- fascinating thing that he actually got very, very involved in the situations, you might remember it, where there was civil war in Lebanon and all sorts of different things going on there. And he was actively meeting with both sides. Uh, in a most amazing way, he got involved. But you know, even in his enthusiasm, he kind of got involved a bit too much and rashly, he was staying with a, with, a, with a mission, a Christian mission. And he decided one day that he wanted to talk to the Palestinian Liberation Organization, the PLO, one day. And he, and he actually managed to get hold of them. And he actually invited them to come and meet with him so that he could begin to speak peace into the circumstance. The only trouble was that uh, the, the, the Christian mission where he was staying said, you know, they, they did suddenly have these PLO um, people armed, you know, armed to the teeth coming to their door. They say, please don't bring them here because the other factions will think you've sided with them and therefore you'll get us in trouble. And he tried to do the best he could. And still, sometimes, because he wasn't totally immersed in the situation, he actually made a mistake. But if you actually go on to read the rest of the book, the most amazing opportunity he had to stand in the middle between the two sides. And that's a tremendous position of privilege that he got to because he was prepared to get himself immersed in the situation so that finally he could uh, actually make a difference to the people that he was dealing with. So when we contend, we put ourselves on the front line. At least we, we, the least we can do is to inconvenience ourselves to be able to help other people. And in the Good Samaritan story, I'm sure you know the Good Samaritan story, we see several examples of how this actually gets worked out. So you remember the, the, the Samaritan uh, came alongside this man who was uh, injured beside their own, being beaten up, being left for dead. And I just wanted to say, first of all, this morning, you know, there might be somebody here today who just feels beaten up and left for dead by the side of the road. And I want to tell you this morning that that there is hope for you, that actually what you need to do, you know, Jesus is the perfect example of the good Samaritan who comes alongside to help. And I just want to say to you, you know, sometimes we are unwilling, aren't we, to let other people help us. You know, we have our pride. We, have our, we want to sort it out ourselves. But I want to tell you that just like the Good Samaritan, actually the Good Samaritan was so beaten, sorry, the guy by the road was so beaten up that he just had to let the man help him. But sometimes we're not, you know, we, we, we resist people helping us. And God wants you to know this morning that he wants to come into your situation and actually help you and maybe send people into your lives who are going to be able to help you and bring you through. So what did the Samaritan do? Well, first of all, the Samaritan got down and he bandaged the man's wounds. In other words, he got down on the victim's level. He got his hands dirty. 
And as we've said, when we contend, we can't do it from a distance. We have to do it so that we stand in the midst with the brokenness of the person that we're dealing with. Our closeness to the other person will shape our ability to contend for them. Well, as you, as you may well know, I, I work with Christians Against Poverty, and we spend, I spend a lot of my time going into people's situations who are absolutely weighed down with debt in a difficult circumstance and, and are crying out for help. One of the things I never do, and one of the things that we as an organization cap never do, is that we never say to, well, it's, you know, it's your fault you got into this situation, and blame the person for where they are. They're in a difficult circumstance. They don't need a lesson about why they got there. They need someone to help them. A man fell into a pit, and he couldn't get himself out. A subjective person came along and said, I feel for you down there. An objective person came along and said, well, it's logical that someone would fall into a pit. A Pharisee said, only bad people fall into pits. A mathematician calculated how he fell into the pit. A news reporter wanted the exclusive on the pit. Confucius said, if you would have listened to me, you would not be in that pit. Buddha said, the pit is only a state of mind. A realist said, that's a pit. (laughs) The county inspector asked him whether he had permission to dig the pit. A self-pitying person said, you haven't seen anything till you've seen my pit. An optimist said, things could get worse. A pessimist said, things will get worse. (laughs) Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand and he lifted him out of the pit pit. And that's what God calls us to do. So the man bandaged the man's wound. Secondly, the, the Samaritan poured oil and wine on the wounds. And, and, and in this context, he's, he's, if you start to be humanizing this person, this unknown person that he's met beside the road, he's actually making him, wanting him to understand that this person has meaning and this person has value. Of course, what tends to happen when there are conflict between people is that the people characterize the other side, don't they? They say all of the other lot are like this. And these people say all the other lot are like that when actually they're people just like you and me with thoughts and feelings and hopes just like you and me. And so, you know, I mean, I I don't know whether you saw on the TV this week there was some quite interesting... uh, um, uh, illustrations of how the, the, the situation in Northern Ireland still seems a little bit to be still intractable, where the, the, the two communities still... Well, the, the, there was very bleak news on the, the way I saw, but actually uh, they, they, you know, they were saying that the two communities still don't talk to each other. But there's some fantastic work going on in Northern Ireland to make sure that the communities actually relate to one another. There's a fantastic organisation called Springboard, and Springboard brings particularly young people together from the two communities who never, ever, ever talked to one another beforehand and are actually now managing to get them to actually realise that these other people are not demons, they're not horrible people, they are actually people just like they are. And so you'll find some of the children from one community just saying, I never knew that these people were such nice people, such good people, and now I've begun to relate to them, I actually understand. So... 
it's a really important thing that we actually humanise the people on the other side of the argument that perhaps we find ourselves on. Third thing is that the Samaritan loaded the man on his donkey. This action shows the inconvenience and the cost of contending. Not only did the Samaritan give up his seat, he physically lifted the victim up, putting the weight of injustice on himself. And contending requires that we look for the flourishing of the other person over our own needs. I know about you, but I find it really difficult to rearrange my whole schedule for the needs of somebody else. But that's what contending means. If we are serious about actually helping other people, changing other people's lives, we cannot just stick to our own timetables and regard other people's difficulties as an intrusion. We have to realize that that their needs will at times cause us to have to change the situations that we are, what what we are about to be doing. So he loaded the man on his donkey. Then he took the, the Samaritan brought the man to an inn and he took care of him. And, and you know, the journey down the, the, the Jericho Road is quite a long one. It's not a short one. It would have taken him quite some time to get to the other end. But uh, the, the whole fact was he, 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 he disadvantaged himself, put the man on his donkey, took him to a place where the man could actually be looked after. And... and you know, that's why possibly, and I think it's a sensible thing, that when we contend with things, we don't try to contend with too much. Or else we can be loaded under the, the whole weight of, of all the different things there are. It's a, it's a sensible thing to commit ourselves possibly to one or two things. And some projects may involve years of our lives. And I think we probably don't. We all know that there are, you know, so, so, so for example, someone with a, a sick, ill relative that they've had to look after for years and years, uh, to, to their own you know, disadvantage in that sense. But that is a Christian thing to do. It's a really thing that God's people should be involved with. That, you know, James says in his letter, he says that, that it's a Christian thing to look after orphans and widows. And if we don't do that, that we're actually denying the very faith that we have. So it's very, very important that we do that, not only for our own relatives. Sometimes we do it for others as well. Uh, do any of you, anyone heard of a guy called Henri Nouwen? I don't know how you say his name, but he's a famous uh, Christian scholar who spent his life in academia, went all the way around the world speaking to massive audiences, uh, telling them about the goodness of God. And yet in the end, he actually felt himself guided to spend his whole the rest of his life, looking after a man in a a home for disadvantaged people. This man couldn't walk, he couldn't eat, he couldn't couldn't eat and feed himself, Uh, he couldn't wash, he couldn't dress, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't speak, he couldn't communicate. And yet Henri Nguyen says, I found the presence of God more in looking after that sick man called Adam than I ever did in all of the audiences that I ever addressed. Sometimes God will cause us to get so involved in a situation like that that we get nothing in a sense for ourselves and yet we get everything. The next thing is the Samaritan financed the man's restoration 
And uh, so we, we, we find here that uh, uh, he didn't only just care for him for that moment. He made sure the man had all that he needed in order to be able to, uh, to, to, to be looked after until he was well. And this calls us into the whole realm of giving. And I want to say, you know, God's challenged as a church this year, hasn't he, to be really brilliant about the way that we give. And, uh, and we've been really blessed as a church, I think, to be able to give so much to so many needs, both locally and, and throughout the, the world. But I mean, you know, how much do we give? I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. And he says, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common amongst those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. So God calls us to give and to finance the restoration of others. And finally... He involved other people in the restoration of others. In other words, the innkeeper, he, he got the innkeeper involved in doing some of the things. And obviously, sometimes we feel that we're the only ones who are caring in this situation. And sometimes the pressure of that can really crush us. And we can feel really discouraged by that. But it's always important to involve other people in the situations in which we find ourselves. So what does contending for the flourishing of others look like? Well, it requires, as we've talked about, creativity in the midst of brokenness. It may require taking some of our precious things that we even believe in and believe in strongly, putting those to one side for a while so that we can help someone else in their distress. Because sometimes we take principles and therefore we, we won't get involved with those people because of these principles that we have. And actually God says sometimes you need to leave those principles behind. Jesus dealt with the prostitutes and the sinners. He didn't commend what they did, but he put aside his feelings about that to help them and to reach them. And so sometimes we've got to do the same. Now, in the context of the Good Samaritan, he contended for a single individual, and that may be how God might lead you and me. Uh, each person is unique, and it's not, not a waste of our lives to give ourselves to look after and care for one person, for each person is valuable. But God may lead us into areas that contend for the needs of a whole group of people. You know, one of the, the injustices that we got in our world at the moment is all the stuff to do with climate change and pollution and, and all of that sort of stuff. And because one of the great tragedies about that is that the people who cause most of the problem, we in the, wealth, in the wealthy West, are actually inflicting a lot of the damage on people in the third world who actually are least able to deal with it. You know, so for example, you know, some of the worst hurricanes and things like that are happening in areas of the world where there's a lot of poverty, where people can't do it. But it's us in the West who are causing that situation. And so it may well be that God, and I know there are people in the church here who are actually really concerned about this whole area. And remember, one of the things we're going to do in the autumn is we're going to be uh, starting things called community action groups which are things where, we've, where people really feel there is an area where they feel that they could get involved in helping other people. Uh, and one of the groups that, that wants to be run is a group to, to, to do that, to look at all the areas and to look at some things that we could practically do 
to make a difference. And I know a lot of you here will be thinking, well, I, you know, I'd like to make a difference in those areas. Well, watch out for when it's going to happen, because it's going to happen where you have a groups fair on the uh, first and second week in September, and, and details of that will be there. I mean, there's some other community action groups that, that are going to do that. We've got one that's looking particularly at the persecuted church, how we might be able to help them. One that's looking at how we might be able to do help relief in the third world, play things like tear fund and things like that. Uh, one of them is something more local, where we're going to try and help people whose, whose, whose gardens have got out of control and they don't know what to do about it, and send a little team in to help them to, to get it back to, to start point and then move on. And there might well be some other community action groups, something that you're passionate about, something that gets you up in the morning, something that you just keep finding your attention is drawn to it. And there may well be you know, half a dozen other people in the church who feel the same as you. And that's why we want to establish these community action groups. If there's something that is like that for you, can you come and see me? Can you come and talk to me? We'll see if we can find whether that is. You know, you might be. You're the only one. And therefore, well, a group is a group, if you see what I mean. And so obviously we, we, we can't manage without other people with you. But there might well be others who would love to join with you uh, in, in sorting that out. So look out for the groups that are running. If you've got a group that you'd love to start, then please come and see me uh, like that. I mean, one of the things we do in Christians Against Poverty uh, is we have a campaign that says the, the, the poor pay more. I don't know whether you understand what I mean, but, uh, but you know, sometimes when you're poor, they hit you with all sorts of expenses that, rich, that richer people don't get. So, for example, one, the, the, you know, uh, one thing that was happening was that um, I went to visit a lady, uh, and it was Christmas time, and she uh, had... Um, she wanted to buy lots of Christmas presents for her children. And uh, so she went just into the red in the bank. Uh, five direct debits came in that all got rejected. And she got fined £25 for each of them by the bank. So she lost £125 for being £10 in the red. And, and you know, because most of us never get to that situation. Well, I hope we don't anyway. <laughs> but most of us don't. But you can see how the poor sometimes pay more. So, com- com- you know, things like that are really, really good to be involved in. And, you know, for a long time, for many years, I never, ever got involved in campaigns or never signed petitions and things like that. I thought, what's the point? Even if I cared about it, what's the point? What's the difference? But, you know, it's really important. You as a person can make a difference. This slide here, I think you've all seen this slide before, the one man that stood in front of the, the, uh, the tanks on Tiananmen Square uh, in China. The one man holding up a whole army. We can make a difference. We can change the world in Jesus' name. So we are to contend for justice for people. We are to contend for working for the healing of broken relationships. In the Bible, one of the things that we're, the Bible is always concerned about justice. Remember what Micah says in chapter 6, verse 8. It says, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. With your God. There are things that can stop us contending, and as we've said some of this uh, before, the first thing contend can stop us is convenience, because to contend for other people is always going to cost us something in our time and our money. But it cost Jesus everything he had to contend for you and I. Second thing that can stop us is politeness. I do, you know, we're such nice people, aren't we? We don't like to upset people. We don't like to intervene in, in case somebody doesn't like us. 
Jesus wasn't afraid to upset people who are doing things the wrong way. And neither should we be, even though sometimes it won't be very convenient and very nice for us if it happened. And the third thing, the last thing that can stop us doing this is independence. If it doesn't affect me, it's not my problem. Recently, there was an American uh, scientist who decided to try an an, an experiment with uh, a group of African children. And um, he had them all standing on one side of the room, and on the other side of the room was a big bowl of fruit. And he said to the children, he said, I'm going to shout, ready, steady, go. And when I shout, go, I want you to run across the room, and the first person to get to the fruit gets all of them. So he said, ready, steady, go. And when he said go, instead of them all running to the other side of the room, They all joined hands and they all walked to the other side of the room together. And he said to them, he said, why why did you do that? And one child said, how can one of us be happy when the rest of us are unhappy? And so independence, being divorced just on our own, is not an answer that we can give. So we call to contend. We can only do it after we've immersed ourselves in a situation and then we only do it with grace. So what is it that you're called to stand about? And you know one thing I think is really important is that it's the best thing if we can stand for something positive rather than against something negative. Do you see what I'm saying? All right. Easy to say, don't like that, let's get rid of that. Whereas let's stand for the positive value that we really want to see. And then we can trans- see situations transformed in Jesus' name. You know, I love that, the, 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 that what, how we were led in prayer earlier on about just being uh, a real army for God in, in, in the way that God calls us to, to, to be not just individuals, but a group together. He calls us to be people who actually care about the world in which we live. He calls us to be a people that engage in prayer with God, but also in relationship to one another, to see our situations change and to see health and life and beauty brought back into the lives of those who've been denied it. So let's stand together, shall we?